show. Welcome to the Universal Hitchhiker. Uh, today with me is Jamie, and our very special guest today is Hakeem Krim from Dead Lord. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing fine. A bit uh, tired, maybe. <laughs> Hungover, but it's fine. Yeah, late night last night? A late night last night. Uh, <laughs> and they tend to be like, uh, it gets harder and harder the older you get. <laughs> well, when you are partaking, though, you feel, you probably feel great. It's just afterwards where it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, I, I'm but then only I feel like you don't learn so. from your mistake and you do it again anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk and also about there's, there's a there's a certain like uh, uh, you kind of feel good when you're complaining about it like at, at least you're acknowledging it that you're like feeling bad and you kind of <laughs> so you just you know there's something about that never mind <laughs> it's all the stories you have to tell afterwards too though yeah I, I would assume some things probably also end up being some material for songs as well some of the yeah, discussions that's, that's actually that's a way of saving, like if you make a fool, a fool out of yourself or you like, uh, yeah, if you have a shitty night, to just save that from being just a total catastrophe, you can at least write a song about it. Then at least you got one good song out of that terrible, whatever it might have been. <laughs> but then with the good song, then you keep wanting to have more and more terrible nights so that you can come up with more and more material. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, um, I think yeah, that's fine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. I mean, there's there's so many different subject matters of songs, and I know digging into some of your stuff, I realize there's uh, some serious subjects, but you also have some other stuff that's a little more lighthearted. But I mean, that's as you, you know, it's just part of the process, I guess. Yeah. Um, let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, uh, Dead Lord obviously is more of a. Uh, I, well, let me have you describe it, because to me, it's just traditional hard rock. I mean, there's really, there's no tricks. There's no, there's no hidden, there's no guy behind the curtain, anything like that. It's just, this is our music, and it's out in front for you. Is that pretty much, say, the style? Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. And uh, sometimes people label us as like a retro band, but really... All we do is just like we make our instruments actually like the drums sound like drums and the guitars sound like guitars and it actually sounds the way it sounds in the rehearsal room. So it's it's not so much that we play retro rock. It's more just that's the way rock sounds before you start you know computerizing and sprinkling magic on there. So we try to just do it the way the last generation did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's, it, it's not only paying homage to that, but it's, it, I think it needs to be reborn. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, when, when you uh, look at some of that. Yeah. I think it's sad the way, the way how like modern music, uh, pretty much in every genre, it tends to not sound like it's played by humans. And to me, that's just like, why would you really want to listen to that? Because you want to hear someone suffering, dropping something in the studio, you know, those, those tiny little goofs that end up being like the character of, of whatever production. Uh, yeah. People, well, it, it's getting better, but like 10, 15 years ago, everyone was just like, yeah, it has to be like, you have to quantize it to the grid. And, you know, that was like the talk. And we were always, uh, you know, playing live in the studio. 
maybe adding vocals later because it's just too hard. Yeah. Uh, but you know, trying to do it as much as live as we could because that's the only way we know how to play. I don't, I don't really find it all that fun to sit in the studio and just lay down tracks. But if you're jamming or playing with your friends, uh, you know, you're playing music. You're not tracking guitars. Or... Yeah. So that's always been like our sort of uh, mentality. You're, uh, you're obviously, I mean, the influences are obvious and I, I've read a lot of stuff about you. So, I mean, there, you know, uh, you know, Iron Maiden, uh, uh, Leonard Skinner, Thin Lizzy, I mean, all the, all the classic rock and hard rock, but I also read somewhere and obviously from where you're from, maybe that ABBA was another big one that you listened to. Oh no, I hate them. Oh, you do? Oh, it's, it's hideous. <laughs> It's just like this fake plastic, oh, but uh, yeah, well, apparently they sold a lot of albums, so they must have done <laughs> yeah. something right. Well, let's talk about the ones that you did listen to and that you did enjoy growing up. What, what was it about them that um, kind of appealed to you the most? Uh, what, what bands? The one, all your influences, like Iron Maiden, uh, you know. All right, yeah, well... Uh, First time, uh, when I, my my sister she bought like this uh, uh, metallic album, and I was like, "What is this thing?" And uh, you know, started listening to that sort of you know thrash metal and that sort of uh, music through just finding it around the house from her. And then I discovered, you know, I went through pretty much everything. You 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 know, you go to the bargain bins and you find the, the classic stuff, and you know. That's how, usually how it goes, I think. You just slip into it and then, you know, there's some things you like and some things you don't like. And as a guitar player, I tend to like, you know, the dual harmony, um, Iron Maiden stuff, lots of guitar things. And all the drummers always tend to like like death metal more because it's like faster, more drum-oriented. But, you know, uh, we listen to a lot of music that isn't rock or metal, uh, like uh, weird outlaw country dudes and stuff like that, because uh, it's not so much. When I was a kid, it was more like, you know, you had to have an identity. and you, Either you were a rocker or you were this and that. But nowadays, it's like we, we listen to music that we like. And uh, that's, that's pretty good if you're writing songs and you want to nick a few little uh, licks or hooks from, from this or that. If you... If you listen to soul records, like uh, if you di dive into like Motown for two months before writing an album, you can nick some few little tricks from those people uh, that the metalheads and the rock audience won't know that you kind of borrowed from there. And that's also like a nice way of just trying to hint towards that or hang on, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. So we listen to pretty much everything that's good and sounds like it's played by humans. I'm not too much of a fan of synthesizers, but... Uh, no. Well, you know, every, every good <laughs> hard rock song that's got a synth intro would be better without that intro. Holy Diver. I mean, <laughs> just skip it. Yeah. But I guess, <laughs> I, I, I guess they had it, so they had to use it, right? Well, as, as you look at the progression of music, um, you know, it, well, let me ask you this. So, cause I know that some of the influences again are classic rock. 
what about actually using the organ if you get into stuff like kind of like what um like boston did and and some of those bands that that really used an organ as opposed to a synthesizer or anything like that uh, i mean it's more pleasantly sounding i'd say you know it sounds a bit more uh, uh I, I just have a hard time with that plastic synth thing and for some like if you're into 80s metal, and I like some of that stuff, like Yngwie, uh, and it wouldn't be the same without that DX7 just being there because it's such a, it's a, that's the sound of that era. Uh, but it's not something that I would really want to put on anything that I <laughs> was yeah. producing or recording. So, you know, if it's there, then it's there, but eh. Organs, I don't have a problem with them. They're big also. That's nice. Hefty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jamie, do you have anything about the music? Um, yeah, I was. So first, congratulations on the new album. That's awesome. How have your fans been responding to it so far? Uh, well, a lot of likes. <laughs> and uh, I hope they stayed at home. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to you know, uh, really get a good uh feeling for, for, for that without actually being out playing shows uh, right. because you can kind of even if you release a sucky album you can create your own little world uh, if you don't like if you just browse the internet you just you tend to just read the good reviews anyway so that that way you just think that you made something brilliant but you really didn't so the only way to really know is to get out there and have them like yell at your face if you're playing the wrong song and we haven't really been able to do that because no one has. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, releasing, an, releasing an album in general seems incredibly, you know, difficult or whatever, but especially right now, releasing an album during this time, you know, how yeah. have you guys managed all that? Uh, you know, you just have to, I guess. We could have waited, uh, but that would just be stupid. Like we'll have to do another day. one. <laughs> Once we'll be able to get out playing, we'll maybe have to do another album <laughs> but you know the reviews have been great so that that's been nice and uh uh we're really happy with it so that and counts, then this right? album was this album was recorded differently than your other ones correct yes we had to do with the more um, uh uh modern way uh, like i described you're the way probably that thrilled I about that <laughs> i mean since we were only three in the band at the time uh it was really the only way to make sense of how to actually yeah to make any sense of it at all because like when we rehearsed we either rehearsed with drums and one guitar and bass or drums and two guitars and no bass so we never really heard the songs before we recorded them uh, and also, I took it upon myself. It was kind of a challenge to to play bass on a few tracks. It's that's probably the most difficult instrument to play after drums, yeah. <laughs> because if, if you screw it up, uh, people will notice. If you screw guitar up, no one will notice. If you have a good drummer and a good bass player, so <laughs> it, it, it's like yeah. And a lot of guitar players they think that playing bass uh, is like playing a guitar with two less strings, uh, and it's really more. Like playing the drums so that was fun i think i got away with it and uh you know it was still it was like an emotional roller coaster uh because uh when 
the other albums, when we recorded them, we were like, uh, we were playing live. And if you play a good take, you know instantly if it's a good take because everyone's there and you hear everything. But now we're just, me and Adam, we're just sitting there and I was playing a guitar and he was playing his drums and we were like, all right, take 16. Was this good? I think so. And then we have to add everything else and it, mm-hmm. like trust uh, Robert who produced everything because like I was, I didn't know. I, I, I mean, it sounded like drums. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Did, but did we you, managed to get through it. Did you get to be part of the editing process then? Um, I think I, yeah, well, it wasn't that much of an editing process. It was more like, you know, skip this. Let's yeah. add something else. Uh, maybe he did a lot, a lot of secret tricks that he didn't tell us about. But uh, <laughs> I think it sounds pretty, you know, not too much magic going on there. Yeah. Well, this was your first album with, uh, is it Robert Pearson? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. But you if guys are American. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. But you guys aren't a stranger to him. Cause I know he did, uh, he did some work with you on uh, goodbye repentance. So how did you get him to produce this? Uh, he just happened to have his studio right next doors from our rehearsal space. Okay. <laughs> so it was like, uh, would it be okay if we just took some cables and microphones and just <laughs> so that was kind of you know neat uh but also we we know him from he's been like the uh the guy in the background with uh, a lot of bands and he's n- never really been the front guy uh, yeah. but he's he's uh He's been doing a lot of things, and everyone knows that he's really good at it. So it was kind of a natural uh, choice when we were thinking up people to, because we wanted to do this album with someone else. We had done the other albums with the same dude, and he's he's great. But you know, got to try something else once in a while. And it really, it, I mean, I think his his sort of uh, he's got a more of a, mm, I would say, mature approach. <laughs> To, to producing it's like he likes when it's fairly slick or at least sounds like it's supposed to be the way it is not like yeah. accidentally cool uh, and we had more of a you know uh, liveish sort of uh, loose vibe and him just telling us to do it his way and like steering us towards that ended up being like good for our sound I think it, it tightened and freshened up everything uh, and it's 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 the best sounding album we've done, uh, in my opinion. So well, I what I thought it is, I know what you know. The part about it that I noticed is, is, you know, Jamie and I talked to someone else recently who is more of a uh, works more towards like trying to do more of an old school recording. Um, it came out sounding modern, just like yours did. However, it, even when I play it digitally it sounds like I could play it. It sounds like it's coming from vinyl. I mean, it's just, I don't, however you did it, I don't know. But to me, that's a beautiful sound. Cause I think that that kind of, um, yes, it's clear and it's, and it's, and it's well done, but then there's kind of a raw feeling in it as well as if I'm just putting a needle on the vinyl and playing the, and playing the album, even when I listen to it, you know, on Spotify or something like that. 
So <laughs> that, that's nice. We actually had to tell him to add some of the ugly frequencies on the guitar because he had tidied them up a bit too much because he likes that sort of slickness. <laughs> so we just said like, he sent us maybe four or five bounces and we were like, no, more, more ugliness, more roughness. More. Yeah. So we had to, you know, we had to fight them a bit, but yeah. Uh, with promoting the album, um, I know we talked about not being able to do live, but have you have you considered the idea of doing any type of like a live stream show or anything like that? Uh, we did uh, two live stream things uh, uh, after a lot of persuasion. Uh, and I mean, I guess it worked. It, it was fine, I guess. It's just such a weird thing because playing live is a, it's a, it's a dynamic thing. Like you get a vibe from the audience and that's what you feed off. And that's what you give back with your thunderous guitar solos or whatever. Uh, but when you're standing in your, <laughs> in your rehearsal room with one camera and you're like playing a song, it's like walking into the library and shouting. It's like, am I doing something wrong now? All right, you get no feedback. Uh, so it's not my favorite thing, but I, uh, I come to understand that it's not really something that you do for yourself. It's more for the people that actually want to listen to. Okay, had so. your fan, did your fans respond to your live stream pretty well? Uh, I think we got likes, views. <laughs> they, maybe nice. they, rang, they rang the bell. Since <laughs> they live streams are taking over right now with everything going on, so. Even artists that really aren't into them are doing them just because that's a way to get their name out there and keep playing right now for everybody. Yeah, but it's, uh, I, I, I don't really get it. I, I wouldn't be sitting looking at like a live show for an hour on my computer on Saturday night. <laughs> but people right. do and that's nice. So uh, we, we will try to give them more of that. Uh, we actually had a release thing for, for the album uh, in a studio here in, in Stockholm. Uh, like the rules here are that you're allowed to bring 50 people uh, to like a live show, which is uh, weird, but better than complete lockdown, I guess. So we, we basically just texted our friends and said like, all right, you want to show up? We got free beer. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, so yeah, we... Uh, had like a party and uh, shot it on, on film. So uh, we'll see if we, we were thinking that we should maybe stream it somewhere, do something. Uh, but I really just want to get back on the road and play live shows. I, I even miss like the sucky, the worst venues. We like, I miss everything about it. Getting pulled over by the police and searched three times. I, I, tell, how did you get pulled over? Uh, for some reason, it's always in southern Germany where the officers tend to be a bit more, um, I don't know, uh, interested in rock bands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a few routine stops and, you know, sometimes when you're crossing into a different country, they maybe uh, don't search like the family wagon, but the shady van filled with uh, pot oozing uh, rock uh, <laughs> boys. <laughs> What's it like playing in Germany? I feel like that would be such a party. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, so basically, 
if you play in Germany, if you do it like a German tour, uh, uh, you every town you go to, to like all, all different little small uh, towns have their own beer. It's like a big deal, and they're so proud. So every beer you get is the best beer, which makes you drink a lot of beer. So that's <laughs> that's nice. It's actually sometimes harder to get water at at festivals than beer in Germany. So that that's Germany, and the food is awful. Bockwurst mit Brötchen could be probably the worst thing you could get at the gas stations. Like these giant bockwurst that have been standing there all day and all night, and you, yeah. But um, Germany is yeah, it's great. I uh, they they're German, so everything works. It's on time. It's not like in Spain. Yeah, I've been told that uh, German fans are probably the best at. Um, I guess the respect piece for the artists and making them feel welcome. Um, I, I guess all of Europe I've been told is pretty much that as opposed to America, which <laughs> how's America though? I, I, I guess there's just more of a, I don't know, an adoration for the artists. I, I don't know how to explain it. I've talked to a couple of people in the past who, who really enjoy uh, touring Europe as opposed to touring in America. And I, unfortunately I've never really toured, so I can't tell you the whole dynamics of it. Um, but Germany was one of the countries where I, maybe it's just that they appreciate the live shows so much because there's obviously a lot of restrictions and stuff with their social lives and everything else as it is. So they are really, they are really like um, into it in that sort of ger like if you imagine how a German person is, they're like tidy and you know, uh, very German. Yeah, uh, and it, it goes with, with like this, it's the same with their like they have their vests and they have all the patches and they like you know it, it, they, it's a certain style and I yeah. I like it. But I think ja touring Japan would be even more that way. You know. They're just yeah. being polite and respectful, and then they're banging their heads like crazy. And then it's, you know, that's have you crazy. have you played Japan? Nope. Really want to go there. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's been like a dream of mine. I don't know why. Did you maybe uh, just because everything is seems to be super weird over there? Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Did you have a Did you have a tour set up this year? Uh, yeah, we were going out uh, on tour with the uh, Lucifer, but that oh. got postponed to next next uh, fall. Uh, and then when we just uh, we didn't really that was the only thing really, so uh, not too much. And uh, it's so weird because you can't really book anything still because, you know, even when you start to be able to tour again, it's going to be like a, like a traffic jam with bands wanting to get out there and filling every venue and planning three years ahead with like one festival show somewhere that you have to fly to and not being sure if you can make it like financially work because of that is just uh, kind of odd and weird. Yeah. Well, that and that's been a discussion a lot lately, too, is without all these shows already, almost everybody is rescheduling for next year. And there's like going to be it. There's, there's going to be literally no matter what town you're in, in this entire world, there will be a show every night 
because so many people are rescheduling and trying to get out next year because obviously everybody's got to make up finances and, and so also, like after, after the first world war when people yeah. just got crazy and drunk it's going to be like that. yeah it is it's, it's, right. 2021 will be a very large party with a whole lot of live music i like your optimism <laughs> well if it's not 2021 it's whenever we get there Everyone on our end is like feeding to go to a show. So I feel like when shows come back, it's going to be mayhem. <laughs> yeah. So maybe this is the best thing that could happen to a band. But or it, all bands. Well, and, but if, if you look at a lot of them, so many artists have come up with um, albums and obviously a lot of time to do some songwriting and things like that. Uh, but I mean, it, again, as, an, as a music artist, it's got to be, a, it's got to be so annoying to want to get out there when you do release an album and it, you can't promote it. And I know exactly what you mean about like live streams and versus being out there at the show. I mean, obviously Jamie and I are huge music fans and we're dying to do a, to get out to a show. Um, so yeah, it'll be mayhem it, whenever they do finally open up. And, you know, I hope that that happens soon for, especially for someone in your situation. Like I, I got this album. I personally am ready for. So. Yeah. We'll do anything. Well, and here, I don't know if this is something that they've entertained there, but here they're doing uh, drive-up shows where you actually drive. It's it's basically like going to a concert, only you're in your car, and they give you they give you a little square where you can hang thinking, out outside of your car. I was thinking it was like a drive-by shooting. Like <laughs> they, they play really shitty music, and you're like, oh no, not that bad, but <laughs> That would be really interesting, though. Then you'd have to have a lot of stages, and you could just drive by a bunch of them and pick out whichever one you like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they've had they've done the drive up ones, and then they started doing um, just shows with your own little pod. So you just have your own little area with like your six to seven friends, and you can't leave your space. Uh, so that's about when it start starts to just become silly, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the hardest part about it. I mean, but that's the hardest part about it, though, is because, and again, it's, it's, it, I think it would work, but with the aspect of like, you know, how your music is and, and more of like the heavier stuff and, and, you know, even like punk music and stuff like that, where people want to get in the mix and people want to get up on the stage as close as possible and throw their hands up. I mean, that's, that's where it makes it harder, you know, and, it, and yeah. it might not work with some styles as other. Most of the pod shows and drive up shows have been more of like an EDM, like electronic dance music and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I mean, I guess if you want to dance with your five or six friends, it, it works. I mean, to me, it's to me, it's just kind of whatever anybody wants to try to do to to get out there. I mean, it's worth a shot. Yeah, so, I mean, totally. But yeah, and it's, you know, and again, I can see your side of it where, you know, it's, again, you want the fans right up there telling you, you know, tell, getting into yeah, the music, I, singing along. I want them yelling in my awesome. face for an hour. That's yeah, exactly. Nice. That's my safe zone. <laughs> so, so I guess if you did the pod shows, you could give everybody a megaphone and they could yell back to you through the megaphone. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> like, no, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> um, let's talk about some of the songs um, on the new album. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about was Distance Over Time. Uh, 
give me a little bit of background about the song and the subject matter. I mean, my favorite, I, I, you know, I, I, I wrote it down because the last, the last verse of it, um, was really cool. The thing, uh, things that were on my mind, they're now, they're now easy to forget. Countless miscalculations haven't slipped for days, but Newton's beside me and he'll help me win this race. I love the, I love that last, I love that last section. Uh, yeah, so the drug is about speed. That's the equation, distance mm. over time. Because I figured Motley Crue wrote every bad song about drugs. <laughs> so I figured I had to write a good one. <laughs> and it, it, can, it can be kind of cheesy when you're like singing about drugs. So you have to be a bit clever. And I think physics mixing in a bit bit of physics references in there is yeah. kind of like that's that's the right amount of cheeky so <laughs> uh yeah uh you know it's uh, it's it's about um, the forbidden fruit and uh, uh the weak the weak ones who give in for it and you know uh that's how it felt that day when I wrote that song, exactly the way it sounded. Uh, and also, you know, uh, like I said earlier, probably a way of coping with something I did while I was a bit too <laughs> speeded up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's fun to play, you know, shuffle the tunes in like up-tempo is always like, they always work live.
Is it? Do you do the lyrics and then the music, or do you do music and then lyrics, or is it just a big mix? Uh, it's such a. If if people could hear me while I come up with songs, it would be like the most awkward thing ever because I just make noises and sounds with a melody with my mouth, so I know where I want like a ch sound or a sound or a b sound. <laughs> so I tend to go for that along with a melody, and then I kind of hear the chords and try to figure them out so it's mostly my I, I only write on my acoustic guitars when i write songs when i write like solos i bring out the electric guitar but the acoustic is good because you don't really get distracted by wanting to just shred away yeah. uh, so i just go and then i try to just rearrange it sometimes i have like a something you know like a few words that i think sound you know nifty but mostly it's just uh checking the phone uh, like looking through your phone and seeing like oh this re recorded 432 uh, and then that's me you know drunk trying to uh, <laughs> sing my melody and uh, yeah uh, and the songs never tend to get done uh, until like the night before we're about to record them uh, which is terrible. I get severe anxiety when writing songs and trying to make albums. Uh, but it tends to work. No one likes it. Not me, not my bandmates, but it's working great. <laughs> yeah, four albums in. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's always been that. Is it you or is it the whole band that writes then? I'm, I'm assuming you come up with the idea and then they come around you and, and help with uh, all their parts? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, first album and this is basically all me when it comes to songwriting but the the way i i, I know exactly like how much i can trust uh, my bandmates for instance martin he's really good with harmonies and way better than i am so if i come up with a guitar thing and i want a harmony for it instead of me trying to write it or writing it the way i would it's much more in interesting to just show him my uh, uh my part and then he figures out his own because it's nine out of ten times he comes up with something way cooler than i would do and uh, it's the same with adam uh, you know uh, I, I have an idea of his i i know his drumming style and i know what what he tends to to do and and 
uh, I always have him as like, the, uh, he's the guy I check with if the songs are cool enough because he doesn't really know what I'm doing with my hands. If, if I'm just being like guitar nerdy and try to f- fit in as many uh, hard chords and weird musical things in there, or if it's just like three chords and super simple, he can't really hear that because he's a drummer. So he listens to music in a different way. And that's yeah. really good for like checking whether I'm totally out there with just jerking myself off or if I'm actually onto something with a good song. Uh, but he started to learn how to play the guitar now, so I'm, I'm getting a bit worried that I have to find someone else to just <laughs> oh, really? toss those ideas around with. Yeah. What, what's possessing him to pick up the guitar all of a sudden? Uh, maybe he got jealous when he saw us. Yeah, he wants to learn. <laughs> yeah. It's cute. Uh, it's cute when the drummer wants to play guitar. <laughs> Is that... Uh... Is that is that him in the uh, Evil Always Wins video? No, that's Tobias Alpardi who's been standing in on bass uh, uh, quite a few was... times. <laughs> yeah, we kind of uh, ran out of money with uh, doing the Allen Street video in New York, so we had to be smart there. <laughs> that's great. I thought it was great. Sorry? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, it worked out. Um, I think the... Uh, hot dogs and everything was like 10 euros, something like that. So how did you guys come up with that idea? Um, basically we didn't really have an idea. And then, uh, the other guys were on me and they were like wanting me to make decisions. And I was like, don't worry, I got this. (laughs) I improvised. It's like we have this camera that is okay, and uh, we took my table uh, and went just outside to outside of where I live, and we did it in an hour or so. No kidding. Well, it's not like it's it's a statement because I hate music videos. It's to me, it's the weirdest thing ever. And record labels tell you to do like our first music video is it's pretty much the same thing. It's an anti music video. We're just sitting there drinking coffee, listen listening to our uh, seven inch. Uh, That was like as far as I would really want to go with with a music video. And then we've been trying to dodge the doing videos where you have to like lip sync into a microphone uh, into a camera or uh, yeah. like playing your guitar like you don't really play your guitar uh, because <laughs> whenever i look at music videos i'm like why is that guy standing by that church with no shirt on and playing a guitar and why is he on on top of a mountain now and i don't get why <laughs> what do we need this <laughs> is this what we're selling uh all right uh but then you know we i think we did four or five videos where we didn't even play our instruments and then the germans started to uh, tell us that we needed a bit of uh, lip syncing as well but um <laughs> then then we gave them the sausage video and they couldn't really complain what about the was it too late is that video that's that one then was that was that nothing with you was that somebody else kind of directing it then uh i, I think we we kind of directed it ourselves it was our idea and we had a friend who works with that sort of thing so we kind of just mashed it together but that that was you know 
I'd, I'd much rather uh, bake pizza than play electric guitar uh, or not play electric guitar. Pretend to play. <laughs> yeah, because it's so awkward. And also like recording it. If you're in a public space and you have to lip sync, it's just like, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like that idea though, where you're just kind of, I mean, the concept is really cool. Even though it's an anti-video, it's kind of fun to watch. Uh, you know, and and uh, he played it off really well. I mean, the acting in the video is incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's a very <laughs> lovable character. <laughs> and um, I think it's, you know, the music is kind of, you know, serious. Uh, and it's nice to just show people that we aren't really that, we don't take ourselves that seriously because it's music and it's about having fun or feeling good at least. So, sausage is for everyone. But you guys hit some pretty here serious subjects on your on some of your songs. Yeah, um, that's uh, what gets me, uh, uh, that, you know, inspired. Uh, things that make me pissed off, or things that you know I really can't do anything about. It's a sort of way of like both shining light on certain matters, you know? Uh, and if one person who buys an album listens to the song and goes, oh, maybe, oh, maybe it's right, then that's nice. Uh, but also it's just like to let off some, you know, steam with the frustration you can feel from just reading the news or whatever. Uh, a way of coping with the insane time we live in. Yeah. <laughs> do, you find it, do you find it hard to... You know, you write like such vulnerable lyrics sometimes. Do you find it hard to like perform those because everybody knows that it's very personal to you? Um, no, but I remember that I didn't really have the guts to write those songs when I was younger. Uh, and the, the older I've gotten, the more I tend to not really care. And the beautiful thing is when, that when people like those songs, uh, they tend to like them a bit more and it tends to be more rewarding as well so uh, uh like robert passion said it's it's cool to write sad love songs <laughs> and i agree like to to stand there and uh, and actually you know pour your heart out is uh, take some guts mm -hmm. well when people can relate to your lyrics it means a lot to them yeah so that's really uh, probably special for you guys yeah, and I think that's what music is. Uh, it's like uh, trying to can emotions and to like have them on tap so you can like bring them out. I always want to listen to sad songs whenever I'm down. I don't want to listen to happy songs. So <laughs> it's good that they're around. And maybe some someone is depressed and uh, feels betrayed by the world. <laughs> they can listen to some dead lore. <laughs> Do you, do you ever have the urge to do more of like a stripped down acoustic style uh, album or, or EP or anything like that? Uh, not really. Uh, I uh, I think the, it wouldn't be really. <laughs> no, no, that's not my style. It wouldn't be not Dead yet. Lord. Yeah. No, I think like every, Dead Lord adds to like. It wouldn't work without Adam and Martin. Uh, and I'm sure that even if I tried to do something else or we tried to do something else, it would just end up sounding pretty much the same anyways. Yeah. So 
it's you'd start out acoustic and then lead into heavy stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a Dead Lord album again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you've been writing with those. <laughs> What's that? What, Jamie? Oh, I just said if you did that, you would really keep people on their toes going from that to just heavy. Ooh, that is true. Didn't Opeth do that? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been playing with pretty much the same guys for, what, seven years now, right? I know you had one change this year. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, the bass player, uh, Martin, he joined maybe two years in, in 2015, I think. But yeah, it's been me, Adam, and Martin for since then and uh, uh ulle decided to he wanted to do other things uh, yeah. and i mean that's fine we've been <laughs> yeah imagine touring a lot and living this close to each other so we we had our our ups and our downs yeah but yeah still works <clears throat> we still like it it's still fun yeah so uh, that's the main part yeah, I think uh, when it stops being fun, that's when I think the fans can tell immediately. Mm. I mean, we've all seen those rock bands from the 70s and 80s, and you can tell that like they don't even like doing this anymore. Yeah. Uh, what What's the name of that guy from the terrible band? Neil Motley Crue? Oh, uh, Vince Neil. <laughs> uh, Vince Neil. Yeah, he couldn't even sing in the 80s uh, <laughs> but that is probably the worst thing i've ever seen uh so we played the same festival a few years ago somewhere in germany and it was he didn't even sing really oh, everyone really? else on stage did everything it was so weird and he you could tell you could like i, I was standing there looking at him and you could tell that he wasn't like he didn't feel proud he felt ashamed Maybe it was just taking all those millions of of dollars just to yeah. not, not do anything, but or just, he couldn't sing. And if you can't sing, if you don't want to do it, forget the money. Just don't do it. Yeah, it will save you in the end. But well, not everyone thinks that way. That's a pretty cool observation. I like that when you said if you're not proud. I mean, it's uh, you're right though. I mean, there are some artists that kind of tend to. I guess lose their lose their way with it a little bit, and they still try to force it. And you know, you can tell. It's, I like that. That's like a really cool way to look. Why they started in the first place? Yeah, or yeah. they started for the wrong reasons. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of uh, rock bands, especially from that era, started for the wrong reasons. Yeah, but <laughs> you could you could start for the wrong reason and keep on for the right reason. I yeah. Going for the so, you know. So obviously this is still fun for you. Um, there's a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears that goes along with this. And you're, you're four albums in now. Um, your first album uh, was on High Roller Records, but then you signed with uh, Century, with uh, Century Media. Tell me what that was like, because Century Media is kind of a bigger obviously a bigger outfit yeah uh so basically when we, when we started the band i didn't really know anyone in the business i had uh, a friend of mine sven from antichrist 
he uh, he they had made a, made a deal with Ty Roller, and I just basically asked him to give me uh, the email address for for that dude, and then it kind of took off from there. So we just started playing Germany immediately, and that was good because Germans are there are a lot of them, and they got money, <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of helped us get get out, and that's how we met like the, the um, uh, Central Media people, and. Uh, They've been super cool. They got, um, uh, they're they're always like showing up at shows, and uh, they've been really great. So hopefully they want to do another album with us because that was our third on the deal that we didn't have. So you did a three like, album. Is it is it album by album, or you had a certain amount? Uh, we did. Uh, we signed for three albums with with Century Media. It was like uh, a one album, two option thing. So, if the first album was selling okay, they they would do the other two. Oh, okay. uh, and now this seems to be uh, selling pretty good. So hopefully we'll get to experience that exciting <laughs> feeling of just uh, you know severe anxiety. Of writing another album. <laughs> Is that, have you already started writing some stuff? No, nope, I'll do it the night before entering this, the rehearsal room. <laughs> All of a sudden, there it is. I have nothing to write about now. Nothing's happening. Yeah, that's uh, true. Like, the only thing I could write about would be like uh, Trump, basically. And I don't really want to do that. Yeah, that would be an angry album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be a very angry album. <laughs> So, because, I mean, you said uh, that you write pretty quickly, but you also mentioned it's pretty chaotic for you and everything, and I can't imagine how hard it is to do that process. Do you think, it, do you find it hard to, like, land on what you want? Because I feel like I would be switching lyrics constantly or going back and changing it all the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I agree. That's And that's probably why I try to do it a bit faster like, like removing exactly. a band-aid and it's, uh, nick from the helicopters explained to me you know he tried to comfort me i guess when i had uh, anxiety after after recording an album it was like well you don't regret an album you just make another one and that was like all right actually he's got a point like if you if you write a song and you're like listening to it a year or two years after you wrote it, like, oh, could have done that better. That won't really help anyone. So you just write a new yeah. song uh, and hopefully learn something from the first song. It's not like sports. You don't have to be best at it. It's not like a competition. A song yeah. is a song. And that's how it was came out. Then that's the song. It's like, you know, remakes of old movies or like when they like re-release Star Wars and they put crappy CGI in there. Yeah. Like as, 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 as soon as you are done with the thing, when you release it, it's not yours anymore. You just leave it and don't think about it. Make another movie, make another album. Don't overthink it. Yeah. That's a unique way of looking at it. I didn't even think about that. Do you have a song on this album that you are most excited for? Uh, the, the song that I tend to like the most is always the one that I haven't listened to uh, lately. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when, when there's the mixing phase of the album, that's when I tend to get really sick of all the songs. <laughs> and then occasionally I kind of need to check and see if it actually sounded the way I remember it. 
mm-hmm. and then the song that I haven't heard in the longest while is probably the best one. Uh, but I like um, uh, I like uh, Dystopia. Dystopia. Oh, yeah. Last track. It's it's a bit faster and a bit more Iron Maiden sounding than we usually are. That is, uh, yeah, I like that too. I, th- I think uh, I, I I don't know. It's it's it feels like there's a progression in every album that you do, um, but yet uh, there's an honesty that kind of goes along with each album. So it's not it's not I don't know what the word is fabricated or anything like that. So um, when you're writing and the whole band is involved, and now you have a producer. Do you tend to open yourself up to criticism or do you tend to criticize yourself a lot? Uh, I criticize myself a lot when it comes to like uh, uh, the actual quality of what I'm performing, like my, my guitar playing or my singing. When it comes to songwriting, I'm a bit more stubborn because I have this idea and uh, the bands that are democracies i don't really think that they work out uh i think you have to like understand the vision of the song at least or the album uh in order or the whole band as a as a product as like an identity with a logo and everything like keeping keeping it like pretty much looking like one unit Uh, and if everyone wants to get in there and do this and do that and then you end up with something that is kind of messy, I'd say. Uh, or I'm just a control freak. Um, and that's why I do pretty much everything. <laughs> uh, but uh, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much answered it. I was just asking about, um, you know, with like producers and other, and other artists in the band and, and whatnot, um, oh, being uh, open to criticism. Yeah. With producers, uh, um, when producing classic rock, it's not really the same as you know when doing a pop album because when you're doing that sort of music, you tend to just build the song in the studio. Uh, but with a rock band that has like two guitars, one bass, one that's like that's the that's the soundscape, and it's pretty much set. And you add a few tracks with harmonies, and you add a few acoustic guitars, but but it's pretty much you know what producers or the producers that we have worked with what they do is like they we we tell them to increase the mids mm-hmm. and uh, uh you know the to, to to get it sounding good like a good production but not really adding any sprinkly uh, finesse uh, more just keeping you know you you need someone to tell you to go in and sing the song for the 97th time because you're pretty sick of it And yeah. to have a, a producer that, that can do that without pissing you off. If you had that vibe in the studio, that's like a big part of actually being a good producer, be yeah. keeping like the, the mood up and knowing how to, how to, how to tell people with big egos that they suck. <laughs> It must be like the worst thing ever. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, we had a blast with uh, Robert. He, he is, you know, he's he's a friend of ours. So it, it was felt it didn't feel like working. It was just like we were drinking beer and having fun. Good. Okay. 
Uh, tell me, tell us a little bit about uh, Evil Always Wins. Uh, a little bit of the background of that. I mean, it's uh, yeah. So that was the last song that we, uh, we wrote for the album, and we were thinking like we need a tenth song. And I had like, oh, how about these standard chords? Uh, let's let's steal this ACDC riff uh, and let's mix it up with some Kiss and see if people notice it. <laughs> It's it's TNT like the verse the verse guitar. It's TNT and then then you add like that sort of kiss. Yeah, it's just those two things and in a different key. Um, but with the vocals on top of it, it doesn't really it isn't that noticeable. Um, and it's more fun than you know. We didn't really steal anything. We just kind of made something uh, out of what was already in the ether. oh yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah so that song was a, not really a song no no lyrics no vocal melody no no real just guitars and drums just a, a skeleton and i sat up till six in the morning and tried to figure something out and i i thought it sounded a bit you know too happy with the tempo and like the standard yeah. chord progression with like, it sounded like a bit um, too kind. So I thought, how about singing about how evil always wins? That maybe could make up for some of the happiness. <laughs> you can't have too much happy in the song. <laughs> and it, it's, it, yeah, exactly. And it's nice to like, instead of writing songs uh, or lyrics uh, from the perspective of like being a preacher, like Rage Against Machine, uh, it, becoming the villain, and yeah. being like uh, like uh, that guy and ha having that sort of perspective in the song uh, writing is, is way more fun uh, to stand on stage and just go whatever <laughs> so have you listened to your album all the way through you said you listen to some songs but then some songs you don't listen to for a while sometimes when i'm like uh, if i've had a few beers and i'm on my way to town and i'm like hmm, in a good mood, then maybe I could do it. But uh, most of the time, I just tend to not really. Uh, there's, I, I prefer to listen to other people. <laughs> yeah, but but I quality check the album before it. it, it yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I'm not one of those. Uh, when, when I was younger, I, I used to enjoy listening to to my demos a lot. But I think that was was because I didn't really have a, I didn't know what to do with them I, I didn't have a band and I just needed to like see if I actually wrote real songs or if they sounded uh, like fake songs <laughs> yeah <laughs> if they were good enough basically so who who do you listen to right now if when you're listening to music uh let me check what my latest thing was uh uh oh Gary Rafferty from uh, uh, the album Night Owl from 79. Oh. It's kind of uh, 70s lounge music. <laughs> Gary Rafferty. Do you ever uh, listen to... Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, that, that was it. I don't know, I, have, I listen to basically uh, dad music is what I listen to. Dad music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The occasional Bob Seger song, Townsman's Aunt, you know, dad music. 
That's awesome. I, um, do you get into like more of like the uh, yacht rock and stuff like that? Or do you tend, well, I guess no, yacht rock wouldn't really be your style because it still adds synthesizers and things like that. So yeah. definitely not on your list. Like I do, there are some bands that have synthesizers, like that use synthesizers that I do listen to, but they, they have really, really good guitar players to make up for that. That makes me, <laughs> that make, that, that, then I can stand it. Like if I know that there will be a kick-ass guitar solo after that little uh, twinkly bit, then, uh, then I'll, it's okay. So like so the Dio. Yeah, like Dio. And then when Van Halen started to get into that, you were probably okay with them? Or was that too much? Van Halen is more of a mood than a music style. You know, you just mixed yourself a few cocktails. You're feeling kind of loose. You open a bag of whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's Van Halen. And it's not for every day. But I, uh, yeah, I like Van Halen. I mean, it's, it, they're a silly band in mm-hmm. a fun way. Uh, and if you're like, imagine Van Halen without synthesizers, that wouldn't work. Yeah, that's true. But they they did do it a bit too much there with Jump. They kind of they went over the top there. <laughs> so you were more partial to the earlier stuff then, obviously. I mean, 1984, yeah, and then Sammy Hagar. I, I do. I I do like Sammy Hagar too because it like he can really write really cheesy 80s sounding songs uh and uh, there are times when you need to listen to that because that's how you feel inside <laughs> yeah uh yeah van halen nice okay um, i have to ask this just because i i feel like i think i read about it when i was um reading about you but you did you say that after or if you weren't a musician you would want to go into physics uh yeah well i'm into physics uh whenever i read books thing in the song all tied together so i wanted to ask (laughs) uh yeah i'm just sneaking it in there (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's my little you know uh, thing whenever i want to get away from i just read books about or look through like lectures there are a lot of lectures with like the original cool dudes like richard feynman that are up on youtube and yeah. you, he, he's also like a great teacher. He's really, really hilarious. So, uh, and like he's got this vivid way of just uh, engaging people. Uh, so I tend to like that sort of stuff. But I don't really want to study it because... Uh, it just interests you, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe later when I'm, when I'm, when I'm too fat to, and too old to play the electric guitar, maybe then it's time to start with the mats. But, you know, I mean, it's good to, like, know that there's, like, a best before date with rock music. It's, it's a young man's game, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see some 50-year-old dude with two tight pants and, you know, <laughs> uh, like a, a stomach that's just hanging. It's just, I've seen it too many times. And I know that it's not the way rock's supposed to be. So maybe that's when you... Uh, start studying imagine you start studying physics <laughs> yeah so you so you've got a time frame on the music and then when you and then when you're ready to start looking at a second career uh well not a time frame on the music but on the rock, rock 
playing uh, yeah uh, or i could try to work out and not get fat and it would probably <laughs> save me i would get away with it a bit longer we'll see uh, picking up the acoustic could be another thing and then doing but more yeah. of the softer stuff yeah but you know a few it's rare but some bands still like are able to actually play rock the way it's supposed to. ACDC did it, Motorhead did it, but I, I guess it's over now with those two bands. Yeah. But you know, they 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 kept some sort of uh, grace, or you know, they they didn't make fools out of themselves. No. What about? And also, you... they, Go they seem to like it. They they actually, you could tell that those bands they loved the whole thing. It wasn't about drugs or fame or money it, it was about the the wonderful stupidity of just being up, up there and just sweating for one and a half hours what if you take it down a notch and look at bands like the rolling stones that are still touring these days uh, yeah i think yeah well they never really had any idea what they've been doing i think it's like if you listen to their songs and you just listen to like the bass it's impossible to say what song it is because they're all sound it sounds like they're playing different songs and it, uh -huh. for some reason it works and i have, have never heard another band that can do that the way they can so i, I mean keith richard seems like a really nice guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like all things considered like who he is and everything he's been through he's really humble Seems humble, at least. Well, uh, so yeah, it they, seems like they, they still enjoy what they do, though. Too. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't. I, I like when you were talking about like Vince Neil and and some other bands where it it they make it look now, or not even make it look, but they try not to. But it looks like it's work, and like they don't really want to be on the stage. You, you know who didn't enjoy it? What's that? Beatles. <laughs> that, they didn't enjoy it no they, well, they, they invented it they didn't know what like they created a monster and it, it, like you know of course you couldn't really do it it didn't work the technology technology to have those shows wasn't there so it was a shocker i guess but they yeah. didn't really like playing they wanted See, to just release albums yeah they yeah. i mean they didn't the live aspect was something that they well, and I don't think people really toured as much back then either. I no. mean, that was newer because it was just you play the Ed Sullivan show or some other variety show. You don't really tour the country. Or if you did, it was just like a few major cities and, and, it, and it was yeah. for a TV show or something like that. It was never it wasn't like what you guys do now and you're playing. 30 dates in 40 days and you know yeah and like there's a standard it's a, like we have this system like you it, get in there's uh, catering it, it, it's a, like everyone knows how it's yeah. supposed to be and they were the guys who were first i guess yeah well and by the time the touring got to be a big thing they weren't they were a little bit older and you know had been doing it for so long i think it was kind of like oh, i really don't want to do this <laughs> can't we just do it the way we had been? Mm, mm, we did that uh, we reached the top there how yeah. about uh, taking over the world that's the next step like <laughs> going full full out politics i'm glad they didn't though yeah all right
Um, Hakeem, I thank you so much for your time and being on thank with you. us. Um, I love the album Surrender, uh, you know, and it's, I have my favorites on there. Uh, the two songs that we talked about are, are also extre are extremely good. Uh, I like the progression. I love, like I said, the, I mean, the recording process, however you did it to where I can listen to it on my phone or, you know, out of, out of a modern player, but yet it still sounds like I put a needle to the vinyl. Uh, is incredible. We, actually, what it's we, to do. we recorded it with just like plugging a USB into our brain <laughs> and just straight <laughs> to computer. I love That's it. a way to do it. <laughs> Thank you for those kind words. It's been nice uh, I wish with you. No, it's great talking to you. I wish you all the success. I hope you get on the road soon. Uh, I hope you can come to the states uh, at some point in time so we can see you. That would be awesome. Because hey, you do a tour over here. We'd love yeah. to see you live because I mean that's we'll what it's all about. We'll see what happens yeah. this fall. <laughs> that would be awesome. Maybe we'll have to wait four years. Yeah, God, I hope not. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, see, you're going to have all a right. lot to write about after this week. <laughs> yep, it's going to be great. All right, well, well, good luck with everything. Thanks. All right, have a good day. All right, you bye. too. All right, Cheers. bye.